You're listening to East Bay Yesterday, the podcast that looks back at stories from Oakland, Berkeley, Richmond, and other towns throughout Alameda and Contra Costa County. This show is about history, but it's not stuck in the past. Let's begin. Let's begin. I had a lady call and ask me, what culinary school did you go to? I didn't. I'm self-taught. During the time my training started, it was on a wood stove in the country because I was raised on a farm. That's the voice of Nellie Ozen. I interviewed Miss Nellie inside her restaurant, Nellie's Soul Food, the week after it closed, in July of 2016. If Nellie's voice sounds a little off, it's because I did some noise reduction editing on the tape. It was busy in the restaurant while we were talking. Members of Nellie's family and other workers were packing up the kitchen and getting ready to send things off to a storage unit, or the dump. Another reason for the noise is that Nellie's Soul Food is located on the corner of 3rd and Adeline, near the West Oakland BART stop. It's an industrial area sandwiched between the 880 freeway and the port. Semi-trucks carrying loads to and from the giant container ships drive by constantly. Most of the foot traffic in this neighborhood is people pushing shopping carts loaded down with bags of bottles and cans, or homeless men standing outside their tents, which are pitched below the 880 amidst towering piles of bike parts and other rusty scraps. This isn't the kind of block that you would expect to host a family restaurant, but that's what Miss Nellie has been doing here since 2004, and before that, She'd been cooking soul food in other restaurants all over Oakland and Richmond since 1950. And before that, she was cooking up soul food. Actually, I shouldn't even call it that because the term soul food hadn't even been invented yet. But that's what she was cooking on her family's Texas farm, starting back in the 1930s. So even though it's a little bit noisy, it's worth hearing what Miss Nellie has to say about this quintessentially American, Southern, and Black cuisine because she embodies the concept of soul food. A lot of people have been cooking this food in their families for generations. A lot of people have studied the history and anthropology of soul food. But Miss Nellie is 85 years old, and her life has revolved around this food since as long as she can remember. Let me give you one example, just to show how much she's got soul food on the brain. I asked her how she met her husband Clifford, just how she met her husband, and I swear, This is the first thing she said to me as a response. My husband, he could take a smoke, uh, one smoked sausage and he could make a meal. He came from a big family. He knew how to take a little bit of something and, and make enough. Okay, so before we get into why the Oakland Raiders used to kiss Miss Nellie on the cheek and call her mama, and before we get into how she used to make special treats for Black Panther co founder Huey Newton, and before we get into what happened when some racist idiot made the huge mistake of calling her the N-word, we're going to go back to where it all started, a small family farm. We didn't have feed the children back then. You fed your own. You had a big garden in the back, and you grew your food. You grew it. You had hogs. You had cows. You had horses and mules supply the fields. So whatever it was I was going to make for lunch, I would go to the field and get it, bring it home cook it. So I, I learned to cook on a, on a wood stove. First of all, you got to build a fire. 
and then you start putting your pots and things on, whatever it was you had to cook. The farm Nellie grew up on was in a small town called Jefferson, which is about 20 miles east of a place called Uncertain, Texas. It's called Uncertain because when the map makers were surveying it, they didn't know if they were still in the Lone Star State or across the border in Louisiana. Anyway, she came from a big family. How big? I'll let her tell you. Grandpa Brown was, was born in 18 and 71. My grandfather had made 17 babies. When Nellie was still a young girl, her mom moved out west to get a job that would help support the family. Since her mother was away working at the shipyards near Portland, Oregon, Nellie and her brother were mostly raised by her aunt, who was a single mother too. Her aunt's husband had been murdered, and she was also raising five kids of her own. This is the aunt who first taught Nellie how to cook on that wood-fired stove. I asked what her favorite thing to cook back then was. I didn't have, I couldn't, I couldn't have a favorite thing. I just had to cook what it was, what was there. That's, that's how you did that. Farmers didn't have favorite things. They, they cooked to make a meal. Sometimes the one thing might have just been buttermilk and cornbread for dinner. And it wasn't just the black folks that was having that. All the other neighbors, too. What Nellie is talking about here, using whatever you can get your hands on to make a meal, to feed your family, this really gets to the origins of soul food. Back in the days of slavery, the masters wanted to spend as little as possible on food for the slaves. If all a black family could get to eat were the top leaves of a turnip plant or some dandelions, they would boil them and make greens. Since many slaves couldn't rely on masters, and I have to pause real quick just to say that even saying that word, masters, makes me feel disgusting. But like I was saying, since slaves couldn't rely on masters for enough food, many grew their own gardens. Some of the staples, like okra, had been carried across the Atlantic Ocean from Africa. Other crops, like corn, were indigenous to America, but quickly adopted by African Americans in their new homeland. Many of the recipes and traditions around these foods were passed down by word of mouth, since it was illegal in many places for slaves to be able to read or write. Miss Nellie learned how to cook from a woman who was only a few short generations beyond the horrors of slavery. The seasonal rhythms of what she ate and many of the dishes she prepared would have been familiar to her enslaved ancestors. Greens, potatoes, black eyed peas, okra, whatever, yams. We had yams in the winter because you didn't, you didn't harvest them until August and September. That was a winter thing. I cooked what I, what I was raised up cooking. Black eyed peas, pinto beans, greens. So that's what I knew as soul food, so that's what I used. In many ways, soul food is survival food. Just as her cooking provided sustenance for her family while she was a girl, Nellie's cooking continued to provide a means of support when she moved out to the East Bay as a young woman. My mother was in Richmond, California, when I graduated high school in Jefferson, Texas in 1950. There was no problem, I was coming to my mother. And my first job I got was for a restaurant in North Richmond was called the Savoy Club. I worked for her for a few minutes, and then I went to work for this lady, Minnie Lou Nichols. But the customers thought I was too young to really be a good cook until they ate the food. 
I could make biscuits that float right on out the room, they would be so light and fluffy. The Savoy Club and Minnie Lou's weren't just some run-of-the-mill diners. These were legendary clubs in the booming post-war years, when Richmond was a mecca of working-class juke joints known for blues, jazz, and wild dance parties. People would come from all over the Bay to listen to music, party, and dance all night long in these thriving venues. Nellie had been in Richmond for about two years when a group of military men from Travis Air Force Base came into Minnie Lou's looking for fun and good food. It shouldn't surprise you that Nellie met her husband in a restaurant, and, indeed, that's where she first laid eyes on Clifford Ozen, who was one of the military men down from the Travis base. Nellie and Clifford were soon married and had a baby girl, Cornette, who grew up to join her mom in the family business. Nellie spent the 1950s working and raising her daughter in Richmond, but starting in the 1960s, she brought her culinary talents to Oakland. And this is when she really started building a reputation. One Oakland restaurant she worked at was The Patio, located at 81st Ave and East 14th. The Patio's owner was future football Hall of Famer Gene Upshaw, who is still the only player in NFL history to reach the Super Bowl in three different decades with the same team, the Raiders. Since Gene was the owner, The Patio is one of the Raiders' main hangout spots, and Miss Nellie quickly became the team's number one source of soul food. When I went to work for Gene Upshaw, all the Raider players came to his place. And I got to know those guys on a personal level, you know, because they all called me mama. Now, I have pictures at home of me with Jack Tatum, Clarence Davis, Otis Sistrunk, Big Bob Brown. I used to do slabs of ribs for him. I used to cook for Don Madden, the, the coaches. Nellie wasn't just the team's unofficial chef. She was also a super fan. She even started traveling to away games. I might have been telling you about us coming out of San Diego from a game, and each one of those black players came, gave me a kiss. They walked to me because I was waiting on a plane to get back to Oakland, too. And this lady was standing over there looking. I saw her looking. And then she finally said, who is she? Who is she? I want a kiss too. But it was something that was, it was just a regular thing for me. Because those guys, we knew each other. Nellie was part of a diehard crew of fans that called themselves the Raiders Soul Boosters Club. During the era when the Raiders were practically guaranteed to win their division every year, the Soul Boosters traveled to away games in Denver, New Orleans, Kansas City, and other cities to watch the Raiders crush the competition. And since we're talking about Raiders fans here, you probably won't be too shocked to learn that the violence wasn't always confined to the football field. Here's what happened during a trip to Nellie's home state of Texas. Well, I remember coming out of Houston, a guy, I guess he was an Oilers fan, came up on our bus. We, we had got on the bus, and it was... One greater fan on that bus said, well, everybody else sit down. I'll take care of this. Got down off that bus and flattened that person out and got back on the bus and we pulled off and came on back to California. Of course, these happy days couldn't last forever. While doing some research for this story, I found a 1982 newspaper article about how Raider fans felt when team owner Al Davis decided to move the team down to Los Angeles. 
Nellie's quoted in that article and did not have kind words for the team's owner. Here's what she said, quote, I hope Al Davis dies and goes to hell, end quote. My feelings was really hurt when he took him away. I flew to Los Angeles for one game. Then I said, well, well, I'm the fool, because I can stay at home and watch it on TV. He took him away. He took him away. My feelings was really hurt. The Raiders weren't the only famous Oaklanders who loved Nellie's cooking. After a fire shut down the patio, one of the restaurants where Nellie found work was in North Oakland, near the birthplace of the Black Panther Party. One of the co-founders of the Black Panthers soon became one of her many loyal customers. I did special food for Huey Newton. Everybody thought he was mean, but he wasn't. And I used to do special things for him. It was special things that he liked. How did you meet him? Met him when I went to, to the place on Telegraph at Joe Nails. He was a customer there. And he started coming in and he liked my cooking. Nellie didn't want to get into specifics, but she told me that although she liked Huey Newton on a personal level, she wasn't a supporter of the Black Panther Party. But don't for a second think that this means that she had any reluctance to stand up against racism. On the issue of not taking shit from white people, like the Black Panthers, Nellie has never been afraid to put theory into practice. I had a guy in Alameda, that's right, I did work in Alameda at this restaurant. And on this particular day, this customer came in and he saw me in the back and he told my boss that he didn't want no nigga waiting on him. So when the, my boss came and told me, Nellie said, we got a problem out front. And I went to that guy. I, I said, I understand that you don't want me waiting on you. He said, well, don't you want to go back to Africa? And I stood there and I talked to this guy about 10 or 15 minutes. And I told him, I said, well, I got to go back and finish my work. I said, but I want to leave you with this thought. I don't give a damn more for you than you do me. And I turned and I walked away from him. The next day he came back. He apologized to me. He said, you know, I really did act an ass yesterday. I said, we all are one, one way or another. I said, I call that stupidity. Never had no more problems with nobody in that restaurant. Because my mom used to tell me all the time, you'll mess around and talk up on a whipping because I let nobody talk to me no any kind of way. Nobody could do that to me. And I not speak up for myself. I'm not tucking my tail and running. One of the more stunning things I learned while talking to Nellie is that she's distantly related to Lady Bird Johnson, the wife of ex-president Lyndon Johnson. The former First Lady's uncle was Nellie's great-grandfather, a fact that she says has been confirmed by Ancestry.com. In addition to the Caucasian blood in her veins, Nellie is also part Native American on her mother's side. When we were talking about racism, she said something that really cemented for me just what an incredible badass she is. Instead of tiptoeing around the issue, she absolutely laid down some rock-solid wisdom. My grandpa... His daddy was a white man, but that didn't make a difference with us. I was watching Oprah Winfrey once, and, and this white guy was on there saying he wanted to keep his race pure. I said, well, you should have told your grandpa that. He should have kept his shit in his pants. Cause the black lady didn't rape him. He took advantage of them. They took advantage of him. 
that's how you you probably got black folks out there somewhere. They might be soul food cookers too. <laughs> Although some of the dishes and traditions associated with soul food go back millennia, the term itself wasn't popularized until the civil rights era. Although jazz musicians had been using the word soul as a kind of synonym for blackness for a while, the first time the word soul gets connected with food in print seems to be a 1964 article in which Malcolm X says that soul food represents, quote, southernness and commensality, unquote. He was reportedly talking about how after the Great Migration, when so many African-American families moved north during the first half of the 20th century, restaurants that served southern food were a place for people to come together and congregate. Miss Nellie had already been cooking for decades when people first started calling her cuisine soul food, and while she was happy to adopt the term, it's always just been home cooking to her. I called it home cooking. Southern home cooking because everybody from different states cook different. Like take New Orleans and the gumbo. Where I came from, I didn't know what a crab or a shrimp was because we didn't have them. We had catfish, buffalo, Jasper Goose, and perch. People gave stuff names. If they didn't know what it was, you named it. But Soul food is home cooking. You made what you had. Ironically, although Malcolm X helped popularize the term soul food, he also refused to eat many of the staples of the cuisine due to his Islamic religion, which forbids pork. Following the rise of Malcolm X as one of the most influential black leaders in history, many more African Americans converted to Islam and gave up pork as well. Miss Nellie hasn't changed her style or her menu much over the years. Soul food is all about tradition, but on the pork issue, she was willing to change with the times. I used to uh, trim the fat from the rib, and I saute that out. That was before a customer told me, Miss Nellie, all the customers don't like pork in their vegetables. Cause you know, you're cooking the greens, you, you put the, they used to call me the ham fat lady at, uh, <laughs> At the grocery store here on 8th Street Housewife Market, because I would go in there and that's what I'd buy for seasoning for my greens and my peas and beans was the ham fat. But when he told, when Fred says, Miss Nellie, a lot of customers don't eat pork, so I cut it out. I went to the beef bacon then, I could find beef bacon ends. So she budged on the pork issue. However, there are a few, okay, actually a lot of things that she refuses to compromise on. One of those things is frugality. Many of Soul Food's most revered delicacies grew from the necessity of making do with scraps. From her girlhood on the farm, Nellie inherited this tradition and learned how to make use of every little bit and let nothing go to waste. This is one cornerstone that isn't about to start crumbling in her kitchen. My thing was about not letting the garbage can be the biggest receptacle. But you got a lot of people that works in restaurants. They don't mind throwing your stuff in the garbage. But I had this guy 
with the celery. I say, now, you can break the leaves off the celery at your house. I said, but here, we have to cut them up. You don't throw it in the garbage. So I can't afford that. And that's kind of what soul food is really about, right? It's about taking the, the oxtail, uh, take, taking, the ham hocks, right? Uh, yes, taking, taking a little of what a lot of people would throw away because you used to could get chitlins free. You used to could get neck bones free. But I did, that was, that was my, my other job on Saturdays was the neck bones. That was my personal thing. I, I, I had my certain recipe for it. And I would taste them. I would taste it when I mixed the, the stuff that go on it and before we put it in the oven. I taste, I say, oh yeah, you guys gonna be good today. Just like that. And that was with the chitlins and whatever else I was cooking. I would taste the liquid. The stuff would be raw. Just in case you didn't catch that last part, she said that she would taste the liquid from the chitlins pots to make sure the flavor was right. That's how dedicated Nellie is to soul food. She'll expose herself to undercooked intestines just to make sure it's got the right kick. And if you're not willing to put in the hard work and stick to her finely tuned recipes, she ain't got time for you in her kitchen. Even though Nellie isn't as physically strong as she used to be, she still knows how to get her way in the kitchen. But according to her, she actually used to be quite the power lifter. I had one guy tell me, he said, Nellie, I wouldn't mess with you for nothing because I had gone to Lucky's. And I was dragging those heavy sacks of flour out the back end of my car and just throwing them on a thing. I did, I did all of that. But Nellie's real strength was never just her muscles or her stamina for getting up long before the crack of dawn and cooking all day. The longer I talked to her, the more I realized this is one of the most fearless people I've ever met. She told me one story about how, back in her Richmond days, two white men tried to strong-arm her into their car after she got off work. Not only did she get away, but she tracked the guys down the next day and warned them that next time, she would be ready for them. She never saw them again. I don't want to play up Oakland's reputation as a dangerous city, but Miss Nellie has worked in some areas with pretty high crime rates, and she's a woman whose job often entailed walking by herself through dark streets early in the morning or late at night to get to her car. She told me that in all her decades in Oakland, nobody ever messed with her, except for this one night, and, well, I'll let her tell the story. One time when I was at the patio, I had this one guy and I used to sip a little bit too, you know, I used to party a little. And this guy knew I had had a couple of drinks and he followed me from the patio to the parking lot that was right across the street. When I got in my car, he snatched the door open. I don't know what his intent was with me, but he says, slide over. And I looked right said, pardon me? He hit me with a toy pistol. He said, I said, slide over, bitch. And I started fumbling. I had a Le Mans, you know, a, the Le Mans car, the Le Mans car that had this, this, it was just a little two seat. 
and I started fumbling over and had a stick, but he didn't know it. I said, you hold over just, I said, hold on just a minute, I'm gonna slide over. And I started fumbling and that guy took off running. I never had no more problem with it. He thought you were packing? Yeah, he thought I had some. I didn't have a, I didn't even have a toothpick in it. You blocked him. But when he hit me, his gun rattled and I knew it was a toy. During our conversation, Miss Nellie mentioned the good Lord a few times. So I asked her if she thinks her religion is the source of her strength. She did say that she prays every day, but uh, it seems pretty clear that her feistiness comes from someplace else. My grandson said I got more devil in me, I got more hell in anything else. <laughs> but joking aside, Miss Nellie told me that the real source of her strength was her mama. And here's the crazy thing. Even though her restaurant just closed, Nellie says she isn't going to retire yet. The reason they closed is because her daughter Quinn got sick and needs to slow down. Nellie, she thinks she's got a few more good years in her. She wants, maybe it's even stronger than that. Maybe she needs to keep cooking soul food. My mom was 95 and still baking pies for this restaurant. She was still making those sweet potato pies. So I'm gonna let the good Lord retire me as long as I'm able to get up in the morning, get myself together and get out. I'll be going. Now for the last few days since I haven't been coming here, it's been hell on me. It's it's been a it's been it's been a strain on me. I I haven't been happy at all since I've been off. I get this. My wife's mother is a Cambodian immigrant who owned donut shops in Southern California after escaping the Khmer Rouge genocide. Her family thought she needed to slow down and basically made her sell the shop and retire. But just like Miss Nellie, my mother-in-law is a hustler, and pretty soon she was back at it, running all kinds of other little businesses. She's in her mid-80s, too, and still going strong. Some people just have that kind of soul. I'm like the phoenix. I'm not down to stay. Say, I'll be back up in a couple of months. Somewhere. We're going to find somewhere. Well, it was in one more thing don't worry as soon as i hear about miss nelly opening up another spot i promise to post an update about where you can find her in the meantime i recommend checking out the book vegan soul kitchen by oakland-based master chef bryant terry for any skeptics who think that soul food can't be healthy and delicious, just try one of Terry's recipes. They'll have you licking the plate. Thanks for listening. I'm Liam O'Donoghue, and this has been East Bay Yesterday. Okay, on to the thank yous. For this episode, I want to thank Nellie Ozen, her daughter Quinette, her grandson Marcus, and everybody else over at Nellie's Soul Food Restaurant and Bar. As always, I want to give a shout out to everybody who's working hard to keep Oakland history alive through projects like the Oakland Wiki, the Oakland Heritage Alliance, and of course, the local history room at the Oakland Library. And thanks again to Front Group Design for the East Bay Yesterday logo. Don't forget to follow East Bay Yesterday on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And please, subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, and Leave a comment or a rating. It means a lot. 
Music for this episode came from The Trumpeteers, Stevie's Amp Shack, Digital Primitives, Kathleen Martin, and Damian Reba. If you have feedback on today's show or you want to suggest a topic for a future episode, drop me a line on the social media channel of your choice. And finally, here's a little something for all you Raiders fans who remember why the team kicked so much ass for all those years. My team was mean. They were mean. Those guys did not play around.